just cover where we've been and then talk about some of the keys, things you can do. Remember our key scripture was in Ephesians 3.16, that God would grant you to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, and the outworking is you are filled with the fullness of God. So how do we get strengthened with might in the inner man? It's clearly by the Holy Spirit, but how does that happen? I always like to know how do things happen, because if we don't know how, we can't know what to do, and we don't know how to, to actually move from where we are. So we looked at uh, your spirit being a vital part of who you are. You are a spirit person in a body. The body, soul, and spirit make up you, and uh, at death, you separate spirit and soul from your body. At resurrection, you're reunited with a resurrection body. And so spirit, soul, and body will one day be reunited again by the supernatural power of God. So we're wanting to become spiritual people. And we learned we can't become more spiritual, but what we can do is develop what we have. So when a child is physically young, they have all the potential, they have to develop and grow. Spiritually, we have the potential, we have to develop and grow. The question then is, how can I become strong in my spirit man? How can I build my spirit man? What part do I play in that? And once you begin to get the keys, and I will share with you some keys, and then what we will do is, uh, in the next session, have some activations to begin to start to get you exploring what this might be like for you and starting to do things perhaps to stir us in our spirit man. So we're going to uh, look now at a list of some things. These may not, there may be other things, but these are what I would consider in my life and as far as I can see, foundational aspects of building your spirit man. And uh, um, I'm going to list them for you first of all, because otherwise if I preach just on one and I don't finish the list, you'll go away very frustrated feeling, I wish you'd told me the whole list. You only told me number one. What was number two to 10? And uh, I don't like going away and I didn't get two to 10. I like to know what they are. At least then you can go and look at them and search them out for yourself. So I won't be able to develop them all today. I'm gonna to focus on one particularly to work with because it's extremely foundational. So. Uh, you notice in, uh, we just look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Acts cha and I'll, I'll come back to this one in a moment, but we will just go through the list. Clearly, if I'm going to develop my spirit man, there must be things I can do. See, for example, suppose you want to develop your physical body. It's quite simple. You have to take in the right kind of food. If you take in the wrong kind of food, you'll find yourself getting sick. If you want to develop your body, take in the right kind of food. In other words, manage your diet. Second thing you must do is you must exercise. You've actually got to exercise. You've got to push against something, and over a period of time, you develop strength. So if you think about your physical body, for your physical body to develop strength, you have to work out. Now, you can't come up to the front of an altar call and ask someone to lay hands on you I want to have a really strong body. You can't go to the gym and say, listen, I don't want all the training. I just want you to just pray for me and give me a magic pill and I'll have a strong super body. It does not work like that. 
you actually have to do something. So normally in developing uh, your strength in your physical body, you actually have to exercise repeatedly day after day. Now, of course, the first day, it's okay. Second day, you're feeling a bit of pain. Third day, you're in deep pain and you want to quit. Fourth day, you make an excuse not to turn up. Fifth day, you're also now sleeping and reading the paper. And fifth, sixth day, you've forgotten about your program. And the gym is very healthy, happy because you've paid a month's fees. So this is what happens to a lot of people. As they start out, they start out with a good idea, but then within three days, it's normal to feel pain. It's normal to feel resistance and opposition. And at that point, if you don't continue in doing this, then what happens is you give up. And everyone who's tried to do some uh, exercises to strengthen their body have found the same thing. The first three weeks it takes to get the routines established. Once they're established, then you start to enjoy the results and the benefits of practicing and having that discipline. Now, whatever I'm going to share with you now about developing your spirit man, I can assure you the same applies. That even though I can give you the keys, it's not knowing them that will make you more spiritual or stronger, it's actually doing them. It's in the doing that strength begins to develop. And that's why in the next session, we will have to get you to do something. Otherwise, you'll be very happy. I've got these notes, wonderful notes, how to be strong in the spirit, but I'm still no stronger than I was before. I just think I am. Okay? And this is the dilemma in the church, is we tend to want someone to do something for us, and actually it's the things we do ourselves that bring us into a place of growth. The coming to meetings are helpful, but at the end, it's only what you do in your own life that will bring about growth and change. All right, so now let's go through them. So in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll read in verse, uh, we'll read 1 through to 4. Now, Jesus has given a promise to the church, and he's framed the promise up in two or three places. And in Luke 24, he spoke of it. In Acts 1, he spoke of it. Essentially, what he says is, do not begin your commission until you receive what is vital for its success. And that is, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it very clear, more than one place. He said in, in, in uh, Luke 24, uh, verse 49, I think, don't start the mission until you receive the Holy Ghost. Wait till you be clothed with power from on high. So he said it's vital if you're going to succeed to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if it was not vital to have the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, now listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sit down and come up with a big plan of world evangelism. Or, better still, he could have left us a book with all the plan in there. But he didn't do that. He actually said, no, no, what I'm going to do is I have been the one personally with you. Now the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you're going to succeed. Yet much of the church wants to do without it. And we try to find a way to sideline the Holy Spirit rather than realize that we need him to accomplish the work we're going to do. Even in your personal life to overcome sin, you can't do it in your own ability. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit. In uh, Romans 8 verse 13, I think it says, Now mortify the works of the flesh, through the Spirit. In other words, it's saying, 
deal with the issues in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to grow strong in spirit, we need the Holy Ghost. That you may be strengthened with might in your inner man by the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost strengthens you. Now, how does that happen? Well, let's have a look. We get a clue here in uh, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them and they were here it is all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak in tongues as the holy spirit gave them the utterance now notice first they're given the holy spirit and then the holy spirit gives them a language to speak so the first thing that happens after they're filled with the spirit is they begin to speak there is a language comes forth there must be something significant about that or it wouldn't be recorded like that. It's not a language they thought up or dreamed up. It's a language given or imparted or infused by the Holy Spirit. So one of the first ways that we build our spirit man and develop, and develop our spirit man is by praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is vital for developing your spirit man. I will just give you one scripture to refer to that, but we'll come back and I want to develop quite a bit more on speaking in tongues shortly because it's not taught about very much and you don't find a lot written about it anywhere either. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, notice this in verse 2. He that speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God. No one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks for edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. But notice this. He who speaks in tongues edifies or builds up himself. So the gift of tongues is given to build you up, to strengthen you in your inner man. We're going to look at some of the functions of tongues shortly and then show you how it works to build you up on the inner man. But if we can just at this point just see very clearly that the gift of tongues is a personal gift and one of its major functions is to build you in your spirit man. Build up your spirit man, to edify you. That word edify is the word in Greek oikodomio, meaning to build up a household a piece at a time. So praying in tongues is a gift given by God and its primary function is to build your spirit man. Here's the promise. Here it is very clearly. If you speak in tongues, you build up your spirit man. If you don't speak in tongues, you are neglecting something God has given you to build your spirit. So many times people pray in tongues, but because we don't know what we're praying, we just give up after a little bit and just do something else. We're going to go through and I'll teach quite extensively on the gift of tongues so that you can understand the various functions of it and also understand how it actually does something to change you on the inside. So one of the first ways of building up your spirit man is by praying in tongues. And the Bible's very clear, when you speak in tongues, you are building yourself up. So we'll come back to speaking in tongues shortly. I want to go through and give you the list of various things and then we'll come back and develop that one. So, number one, speaking in tongues. 
speaking in tongues. Number two, here's a second one. And that is worship. Wholehearted worship strengthens your spirit man. Worship and included in worship perhaps waiting on God. In John 4 verse 24, it says, he that worships God must worship in spirit and in truth. He that worships God must worship in spirit and in truth. So worship causes us to communicate or connect with God in a way there is transference and impartation into our life. Worship imparts something to us. When we open that, now it has to be wholehearted. I've seen many people in church and some raising their hands, blah, 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 blah. But their heart is not really opened up to God. It's just something off the top of the head. Jesus' complaint to the religious people of the day, it says, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So worship involves all of my inner being. It may not necessarily be loud. It can be quite quiet. But very clearly, if I want to grow in my spirit man, I need to be connecting with the source of strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. Okay? The Lord is the strength of myself. I want to strengthen my spirit man. Intimate worship of God is a vital part of that. And there is a way to enter into worship. Uh, the Bible tells us in Psalm 100, it speaks very clearly in Psalm 100, I think Psalm 95, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, and then bow down and worship him. So it tells us that we come strongly and boldly with strong praise, strong thanksgiving, strong gratitude. We build an atmosphere of gratitude and then having expressed something and done something towards him, then we allow our heart to just become tender and to worship him. One of the biggest problems in, in services is people letting their mind wander. So you could be praying like this, cool, blah, 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 shaka, blah, 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 and your mind is sort of thinking, oh, oh, chicken rice, hmm. Ah, oh, I feel hungry. Now, you understand your whole heart is not in your praying what's happened is you've actually allowed yourself to be distracted. So, for example, when you get distracted, you break communication or connection. So, if I'm talking to Lawrence, and we're talking, and I can feel the flow in a direction, and then in the middle of it, he begins to think, oh, I've got so many things to do at work, and he begins, mind begins to wander off. Immediately, I feel a, a change in the flow, because he's now no longer connecting. His mind has gone somewhere else. So what you focus your mind on, you open yourself to. You think about food. You can think, oh, Peking duck. Mmm, plum sauce. Ooh, pork. Oh, you begin to think, you'll get hungry after a little while. Even your body will respond. So wherever your mind goes, there your heart will follow. See? So, so what we give ourselves to, what we treasure, our heart will open up to. This is, for example, if you've been at work, this is a problem many men have, and you've been studying very hard all day, you come home after work, often it can be up to half an hour before you really connect with your wife and children. There's a very simple reason. Because you have given yourself to your work, and when you come home, you're still there. You haven't actually disconnected your heart. What you treasure, 
your heart will flow towards. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. So if you've poured out your time, your energy, your effort into your work, then your heart will be there. You come home, your heart's still back at work, you're still thinking about stuff. And so you can't connect with your wife and children. It's quite simple. All you've got to do is consciously just let it go and refill your mind and your thoughts with your wife and your family. As you begin to think about them and begin to begin to treasure them in your heart, your heart opens up to them. If you have problems, for example, and you start to begin to treasure your problem and think about your problem constantly going over, in the end, your heart opens up to your problem. You come to pray and, and come to worship God, and all you can think about is your problem. You can't engage him properly. That's why it says, cast your cares on him. So we need to learn how to wholeheartedly worship the Lord. Now, that's not half-heartedly. It's not sort of resolve and all cool. It's actually giving myself to just love him, just let my heart open up to him. And sometimes it helps to use your body because uh, by removing your body, by expressing your body, you actually communicate what's going on inside your heart with the language of your body. So wholehearted worship brings an impartation into our spirit. And often what happens in churches is we'll go through a song service but you've got to remember, song service is about loosening up our body and soul so we can connect and then become intimate and begin to feel the presence of God. So in order to engage God in worship, I need to bring my mind and begin to harness my mind on him, allow my heart to begin to dwell on him, on who he is. Sometimes I use the 23rd Psalm, good Lord, my friend, the Lord, the Lord God Almighty is my friend. I just love you and worship you. And so we give our whole heart into worshiping him and it takes a little bit of training to do that because in a busy lifestyle the moment you try to connect with God all the busyness comes and you just remember everything you have to do oh I need to do that oh yes oh I need to do and your mind just is full and busy 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 so it just takes a discipline to actually engage God wholeheartedly okay it's the person next to you I'm talking to now all right so <laughs> The Bible says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Now, what does that mean? It means if I will consciously, as I'm in the presence of God, just begin to entwine myself with him. Thank you, Lord. I exchange my strength for your strength. I thank you for your strength filling my mind right now. And as I begin to do that, the strength of God can flow into me. It says, those that wait on the Lord. The word wait Waiting on God is not sitting, waiting. I'm waiting. Nothing happens. Waiting on God is very active. It involves consciously entwining yourself with him. The word to wait on God, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, those that entwine themselves with God. In other words, you, you give your mind and your heart to loving on him and worshiping him. It says you exchange your strength. There is something happens when you do that. Something is imparted to you. You exchange your strength. You let go your weakness. His strength begins to flow into you. So there's something about worshiping God intimately that gives strength into our spirit man. So worship is a crucial part of developing our spirit man next to praying in tongues. Here's another area is meditating on the word of God. Meditating on the word of God meditating on the Word of God. <clears throat> in uh, 1 Timothy 4.15, Timothy is being exhorted by Paul 
to, uh, concerning the giftings of the Spirit, concerning stirring up his spirit man. I'll just read the verse. And this is what Paul says. Uh, he says this in 1 Timothy 4 verse 15. So he, he had to write to him twice to stir him up over the gifts of, and the flows of the Spirit. But in 1 Timothy 4 verse 15, he said, uh, don't, verse 14, don't neglect the gift that's in you. Now what's the gift in you? Is the Holy Ghost or the giftings that manifest in your life that the Holy Ghost has given, that were given you through prophecy with the laying on of hands with the eldership. Now he says, now meditate on these things and give yourself. So, and he says, and then your profiting will appear. So one way of building our inner man, developing our inner man, is by meditation in the Word of God. Meditation is extremely important for developing our spirit man. The word meditate means to roll around and around in your mind, or to use your imagination to see things. Now, some people have a bit of trouble. They, they use the word visualization, and then they have a trouble with that whole word. Listen, you are given an imagination. Think about this. Everything you see that's being built first started in someone's imagination. Everything starts on the imagination. Even sin starts in your imagination. Imagination is, is a part of your spirit dimension, your spirit faculty, to see what can't be seen. It's like a screen inside you to be able to see and, and to put together and construct a world you can't see. So our imagination is vital for building our spirit man. And how do we, how do we use our imagination? You take the Word of God and begin to roll it around in your mind seeing it over and over and over and over again and trying to feel or imagine what it feels for that tr thing to be true in your life. Now, a lot of people, because this takes effort, don't do it. Uh, for example, if you begin to imagine food for a little while, very soon you'll be hungry. Just imagining food. Very soon, even your body will start to change because you imagine the food you begin to think of your favorite food. Or you begin to imagine about a problem. You begin to think about a problem, all the possible outcomes. Very soon, anxiety and, and fear will start to build in your life. So your imagination is a, is, is a doorway into the spirit realm to enable things to come into your life. That is why television and the internet can present a huge problem for a generation because it saturates the imagination and dulls us from using the faculty God gave for us to see in the Spirit. Think about this. When God speaks to you or moves you in a word of knowledge or moves you prophetically, one of the most common ways he does it is by a picture coming. Where does it come? Into your imagination. So the very screen of your imagination where you create thoughts and images and pictures which could lead to sin also can be the doorway through which God uses to bring things into, the, into being in the world. So imagination is very, very important. So how do I use my imagination to build my spirit man? Well, I would take something. I did this for a long time. Uh, it took the truth of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd and friend. So the Bible says, I meditate, remember, memorize the verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But now begin to dwell on it and the Lord God Almighty is my friend, my companion. Now, what would that look like? If God was my friend, how would he look at me? What would his eyes be like? What would his countenance be like? Oh, I reach in and I just embrace the truth that God is my friend. 
almighty God, my friend. Begin to welcome him as my friend, see him as my friend. Now, here's the thing, your imagination can't easily tell the difference between a real experience and imagined experience. So, when you begin to take the word of God and begin to allow your imagination to see it, and then like you open up your heart to welcome that picture in and you repeat it over and over, it begins to build the truth into your spirit man and you start to find revelation flowing, you start to become built in your spirit man. Meditation is an important way of developing and building up your spirit man. Okay, here's another way then. So we've seen praying in tongues, wholehearted worship and waiting on God, see meditating on the word of God. Here's another way that you can build your spirit man and that is by confession of the word of God, confessing or speaking the word of God. In, uh, <clears throat> in Proverbs 18, verse 8, there's, I think it is, there's death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, your words have power to do something. Think about this. In the Bible, the first use of words, what was the first use of words? It was to create. The first use of words was to create. Let there be light. So how did God use words in the beginning? He used words to bring from the realm of the spirit into the natural realm. So speaking is the way things of the spirit are manifested in the natural realm. Think of all the miracles. You look at the miracles, the majority of miracles, someone said something. Be loosed. Rise and walk. In other words, there were words spoken. You think of Jesus commanded the sea, commanded the mountain, commanded the tree, words, commanded the demons, commanded the sickness. Words enable God to manifest his life in the earth. Words are tools to build something. So your confession, the Bible says, to hold fast the confession of our faith. We have a high priest it tells us in Hebrews 3.1, Jesus is the high priest of our confession, what we confess. Now, that word confession means, it's the Greek word to speak the same as God speaks. Pro, uh, homo logio, homo the same, logio to speak the words. So when we begin to speak out of our life the words of God the same as he says, then something begins to change and be built inside us. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You begin to meditate on that and declare it over your life. Now, a lot of people think they're quite weak. So you start to say to yourself, I'm weak. Cannot, cannot, cannot. Very soon, you will feel very weak. It'll actually affect you. You begin to start to speak what God says about you. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And you speak those words over your life, what happens is your spirit man gets built. There is a building of your spirit man that takes place through confession of the word of God. Your own spirit hears the word. You are ministering to your own spirit as you speak and agree with what God says about you. Now, you may have lots of thoughts in your mind about yourself. I'm not good enough. Is that what God says? That's not what God says. God says he's made you righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you need to change your confession to agree with what God says. 
Can you do that task that's been given to you? No, I can't. It's too much. I can do all things that God has called me to do through Christ who strengthens me. So I need to shift my speaking to agree with what God says. Oh, well, it's, it's too difficult. No, it's not too difficult. I need to agree with what God says about it. So search the scriptures and begin to speak in your life what God says about you. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The Spirit of God fills my life and flows through me. I hear the voice of God clearly, and I instantly obey Him. You begin to build a realm of confessions, your spirit man will start to grow and be strengthened. The one you listen to the most is yourself. So why not start to speak to yourself? Even in the secular world, they, call, they have a thing they call self-talk. Now we think, oh, it's just all secular. No, 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 where did they get it? It works, you know, for them. Why does it work? It works because it's biblical. To speak the word of God over your own life. Who is responsible to build your life? You are. Every day you're talking to yourself. Every day you're having thoughts go through your mind. So why not begin to capture your imagination with the word of God? Why not begin to capture your tongue by speaking the word of God and your spirit man will respond and arise? Now, you may say it two or three times and your heart doesn't even respond at all because probably it doesn't believe it. But if we will continue to hold a confession of faith, our inner man will start to turn and believe and embrace the truth. So these are keys for building our spirit man. Here's another one that's very helpful for building your spirit man and strengthening your spirit man, and that is fasting. Not very popular in Singapore, but however... Not very popular, <laughs> not very popular anywhere, but fasting is a powerful tool to strengthen your spirit. Why is fasting such a powerful tool? Very, very simply, because it, it begins to subdue your flesh and allows your spirit to arise and become stronger because the flesh is being subdued. Now, fasting is a very, very important part of ministry. In Matthew 17, verse 21, Jesus spoke to the disciples. Matthew 17, 21, the reason you couldn't cast the demon out is because of your unbelief. And he said the answer to that is prayer and fasting. Fasting is a crucial part of breaking unbelief, the sealing of unbelief off our life. There are some situations only move with prayer and fasting. So fasting begins to subdue and conquer our flesh with its desires and allows our spirit to arise up and come to a place of greater strength. You notice that Jesus began his ministry with fasting. He had 40 days of fasting. Now, was he anointed? Yes, he was. Then why did he need to fast? Well, there's a difference between having an anointing of the spirit on you and manifesting the power of the spirit. So what did Jesus do? In, in Luke chapter 3, he, he was baptized and the Spirit came on him. He was anointed. He received an anointing from on high and immediately the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. So what did he do? He fasted for 40 days. And it says at the end, the devil came to him. So fasting must have been a crucial part of strengthening and developing and helping him emerge in a spirit man. What did he do during those 40 days? He would have fasted. Not only fasted, he would have prayed in the Spirit. Not only prayed in the Spirit, he would have meditated in the Word of God. 
as a, as a young child. He learned the scriptures and he was very familiar with them. He would have done all these things I've talked about in that season of fasting. Fasting, if we're going to have power flowing in our life, is a crucial part of our experience because it subdues our flesh and causes it to come under our spirit and our spirit rise up. Now, is fasting pleasant? No, it isn't. Not at all. In fact, the first day you try and fast, by about lunchtime, your body is dying, screaming in pain. You know you're going to die if you don't have something to eat immediately. And uh, so when you begin to fast, your body wrestles to retain its place of influence and rulership in your life. That's what the struggle's about. And that struggle will last for about three days, and eventually your body just settles down and it stops the demands. And you can then start to enjoy the benefits of your spirit being able to be stirred and arise. But your first three days of any fast always are the difficult ones because your body has got such a strong say over yourself. Well, we eat every day, we love to eat, and then the moment you stop eating and say, I'm going to fast and spend time with God, oh, your body starts to fight. I'm not having that. You know, and so by mid-morning, you're starting to die. By lunchtime, you'll never get through the day if you don't have something to eat. So you sneak a little bit of something to eat. There's this fight going on. Your spirit wants to fast and get into the presence of God. Your body's wrestling against you. So that's one aspect of fasting. And Jesus had pressures around this himself. In fact, the very first temptation of the devil was to make food for himself. So the next thing was, of course, is your soul goes into torment and trouble. So when you're fasting, you'll have emotions and struggling of the emotions and, and also have thoughts come through into your mind which feel like your life's worse than it ever was and you're further than God than you ever were before. But it's all part of a rising in your spirit to conquer your body and conquer your soul. And then you come out and there's something fresh around your life. So fasting is a very, very important part of our Christian life to build our spirit man. I know you can do that. And I'm sure there's heaps of you do that. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but if you want to walk with power, it's, it's non-negotiable. Fasting is a part of life. Fasting is a part of the walk of the spirit. What is it about? It's, about? it's not about making God impressed with me. It's not about making God answer my prayers. You can't make God do anything. You can't fast and make God answer your prayer. It's not what fasting's about. Fasting is for your sake. It's to actually help you subdue what rules your life and enable you to arise in your spirit so you become stronger in spirit, more sensitive in spirit, more open to what God is saying, positioned to hear what God is saying, and it then starts to energize your prayers with much greater power. Is it pleasant? No, it isn't, because there's a fight goes on. But when you come out the other side of it, you always have benefits. Jesus, in Luke 4, 14, it says, he returned in the power of the Spirit. And from then on, you see miracles take place. We seem to love anointings and minimize fastings. But they actually go together if we want power. Jesus was anointed in Luke 3, he fasted in Luke 4, and verse 14 returns in the power of the Spirit. Notice in Luke 14, verse 1, he was led by the Spirit to do this. So the Holy Spirit will lead you into seasons of fasting because he wants you to have victory over your body, victory over your soul, and to move in power. He wants you to move in power. 
He's not against you having power. He wants you to have power. That was why he was given. But there's a part we play in developing a powerful life. One of it's praying in tongues. Two, part of it is worshiping and waiting on God. Three, meditating in the word of God. Four, confessing the word of God. Five, fasting. All of these things develop our spirit man. And no one can do it for you. There's no Bible school can do it for you. No ministry can do it for you. There's no service can do it for you. It's something you have to do for yourself. Get the idea? This is very important to developing spirit life. You notice these things are very foundational. Another thing that I believe strengthens your spirit and develops your spirit is obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. There is something about doing what God says that strengthens your spirit. There's something about resisting him that weakens your spirit. And uh, so it's very, very important in, uh, that we do that. Those that hear the word of God and do it, more is given to them. So when God speaks to us and we begin to obey it, there's something built and established inside us through our obedience. And the Bible says that Jesus uh, suffered much, learned obedience. So obedience is something you, are, you learn as God speaks to you and you act on it, you begin to become stronger in spirit. And no one can do this for you. And that's all of these things we have to do for ourselves. Okay, so those are keys on how you can strengthen and build your spirit. Perhaps the last one I'd mention would be fellowship. Fellowship with anointed people can... Uh, expand and strengthen and impart into our spirit. So if I want to begin to develop in my spirit, I do need to be communicating or connecting with men of God who have developed something in their life. So fellowship, associating with people. The best way you can do that is by CDs or listening to messages. Not just listening to everyone's message and not just listening for lots of information. Today you can download information on anything. So I see a lot of young people, they get on the internet, they Google this, Google that, Google, Google. The one thing you can't Google is the power of God. You only get it one way, get it from the Holy Ghost. So you can get information, but people confuse information with knowledge. See, the knowledge of God is discovered experientially in life. And you have to gain experiential knowledge of God. And that's where older people can help younger people because you can have wisdom out of your experiences with God and your life with God. So, uh, so fellowship with people. So one of the ways I've done, I remember, for example, I, uh, I had a, a man who I greatly admired, was quite an anointed man of God, and I got one of his tapes, that's how long ago it was, and I, there was a section on it when he was moving in the power of God. And as I could hear him praying for people, feel the power of God would come on them. So I just played it over and over and over, put headphones on, just played it over and over. And I began to meditate that that was me doing that, that I just began to reach in and draw on that anointing he was operating in. And thank God that power was flowing through me. And you know, about three weeks later, I started to find it happening in my life. So it wasn't just uh, listening to the message. It was imbibing the spirit and anointing on the person helped build something and establish something in my life. And do it. See, see, you notice all of these things, actually nothing is very difficult. They're actually all extremely simple things 
what happens is we overload on programs and information and we lose sight of the fact that you have to build daily, little by little, into the life of the Spirit, into your own Spirit. No one can do it for you. And uh, I have learned now, I don't listen to lots of messages. I get into a flow of one kind of message for a little while and work with it until it's established something in me and I'm growing in it. Then, something else. Otherwise, we listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Pastor talks, he's on about this, and someone else has a message on that, and we went to Bethel, and they're onto something over there. We're all over the place. You don't grow that way. You can't grow that way. See, you're here in Singapore in Living Sanctuary, so find out what God is speaking in here. Begin to draw it around your life so you grow in that. Okay, all right. Now, let's just... Just uh, take a breather for a moment. I want to look at the area of tongues and go back now to the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues. And I want to just take a bit of time to develop that, but at least you've got the keys. Now, here's the thing. You actually now know how to develop your spirit man. The only question is whether you will. You know where the gym is, but will you go? And will you work out? That's as simple as that. Okay, now let's just have a look at the gift of speaking in tongues. We're going to go into that. And uh, I want to talk, first of all, about what the gift of tongues does. So let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 14. We'll look up some key verses. 1 Corinthians 14. I want to take this gift of tongues. So we'll pick up some key verses in here. Number two, verse 2. He that speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God. No one understands him, but in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who speaks who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke in tongues, even more that you prophesy. And down there in verse 13, uh, 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit is praying, my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion? I'll pray in the spirit, I'll pray with understanding, I'll sing in the spirit, I'll sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will the person who doesn't know Say amen at your giving of thanks. He doesn't understand what you're saying. For indeed, you're giving thanks well, but the other isn't edified. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. All right then. So let me just then just go through and give you some of the functions of speaking in tongues. Some of the things it's designed to do. Some of the things you are, you just, because most of us just don't understand. We say, well, speak in tongues. There it is. What does that do? I don't know. I didn't understand it anyway. I'll do something I understand. Now, let me just give you and break it down some things about speaking in tongues. Number one, speaking in tongues activates your spirit. It activates your spirit. Notice in verse 14, when I pray in a tongue, what is praying? My spirit is praying. Okay? The rest of the time you pray with your understanding. But when you're praying in tongues, something unique is happening. Your spirit is praying. Your spirit is having a workout. Your spirit is doing something spiritual. So the first thing is, praying in tongues gets your spirit doing something. Remember, you can't develop physically if you don't give your body a workout. You can't develop spiritually as you give your spirit a workout. So one of the things, praying in tongues, it gets your spirit doing something. Your spirit is praying. Second thing, it directly opens a flow of communication with God. It directly opens a flow of communication with God. It directly opens a flow of communication with the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because it said in Acts 2.4, they spoke in tongues 
as the Holy Spirit gave them the language. So what is happening when you're praying in tongues? Your spirit and the Holy Spirit are joined. The Holy Spirit knows the plan of God. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're designed for. He knows the struggles you have. He knows the issues you have. He knows the needs you have. He knows them better than you do. And now you are born again. You are joined to him. So when you pray in tongues, you are now not trying to work out what to pray about, work out what to speak about. Now you are allowing the Holy Spirit to infuse into your spirit, to download into your spirit a language of prayer that you don't have to figure out. So when you're praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit is infusing into your spirit the language you need. You have opened a direct flow with the Holy Spirit as you speak in tongues. Now people don't, because we don't realize this, we, we don't kind of engage properly with what we're doing. If I begin to pray in tongues, I know my spirit man is arising inside. The Holy Spirit is arising with me. When I chose to pray in tongues, he chose to arise within me in response and to give me the language. And now my spirit and the Holy Spirit are flowing together. I've opened up a communication line. You can open it up any time you want. It helps to remind yourself when you're praying in tongues, you and the Holy Ghost are praying together. Otherwise, you just forget, and you forget its importance, and you sideline it. See? So number one, it activates your spirit, man. Number two, it opens a direct flow of communication with the Holy Spirit. See? He even speaks in the Spirit. Verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 14, he who speaks in the tongues does not speak to men, but speaks to God. The only one that doesn't know what you're saying is you. But the Holy Spirit, who knows your needs and knows what is needed in prayer, is helping you to pray perfectly aligned with the will of God. The Holy Ghost helps us with our infirmities. An infirmity is a weakness, a lack of capacity. When you come to pray, you don't always have the language to speak to God. And the Holy, you don't even know what to pray about. Sometimes you don't even know what you really need. But the Holy Ghost helps us or takes hold together with us. So when I step up and begin to pray in tongues, the Holy Ghost steps up with me and together we're beginning to flow in prayer. Here's the third thing that happens. It energizes your spirit man. When you start praying strongly in tongues, your spirit man becomes energized with supernatural life. You actually start to become charged up on the inside. You will try it a little bit later and get you praying strongly in tongues for just a little bit and observe what happens to the energy inside your spirit and even in your physical body. Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens your mortal body. So one work the Holy Ghost can do as we pray in tongues is quicken and energize us. So remember, when you praying in tongues, you are now working with the Holy Ghost, the supernatural dunamis power of God. See, the dunamis of God is a person. Paul prayed that you would be filled, would strengthened with dunamis in the inner man, how does that come about? Pray in tongues. Because the dunamis of God is the Holy Spirit. And as you cooperate with him in strong praying, power and energy and life begins to flow in your spirit.
Most people pray like this. Go, blah, 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 blah. There's no release or activation of much. Now you, I pray like that a lot, just walking around or driving, anything like that. But uh, when I get into prayer, I'll get in and I'll pray strongly initially to break resistance in my body, resistance in my soul, and to feel and activate the life of God inside me. Once I've done that, then I can pray. I'm in a flow now. Okay, so there's another. Here's a, here's a fourth thing that it does. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Edifies himself. So here's the next thing it does. It builds or edifies your spirit man. Builds or edifies your spirit man. In Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. You beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost. So two words are used, building yourself up, edifying yourself. Now, there's no one can edify you but you. Now, people can help and people can edify us with encouragement or whatever, but you are responsible to build you and you decide how built up you're going to get. Every day when you get up, you decide whether you are going to build yourself up in God or not. So notice the, here is the clear promise that if you pray in tongues, you will build on the inside God's life inside your spirit man. Very, very clear. The word there is the word oikodomio, meaning to build a house one piece at a time, to put together a structure. So when you're praying in tongues, you need to realize I'm becoming energized with the Holy Ghost and the life of God is beginning to fill my spirit and expand me. Pray strong enough to become aware of what God says. And what he says happens is the purpose of it. To strengthen or build you. So what it does is it strengthens your spirit, actually builds up your spirit. So you'll find when you pray strongly in tongues, you start to feel stronger in your spirit. You become stronger in your spirit, and something happens, you become built up in your spirit. Both of those, the Bible tells us very clearly. But here's something else that happens. If you give yourself and regularly pray in tongues, you will find you set off a war inside yourself. And this is often why people don't keep praying in tongues strongly and consistently and regularly. Because as you seek to build yourself up in the spirit, your flesh will war against you. And so sometimes people's experience when they set out to begin to pray strongly in tongues every day, regularly, each day, and perhaps during the day, they begin to find themselves having turmoil in the emotions and thoughts. And there's a reason for that, because your soul is arising to contend against the spiritual life that's flowing in you. In Galatians, it tells us that. It says in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, it says, uh, it, it talks about, the flesh wars against the spirit. So when you start to arise in your spirit, don't think it's going to be without a bit of a struggle. The initial things I have found when I have set myself for a course of strong praying in tongues, the initial thing that happens is I start to find conflict starting to come in my thoughts and my emotions and my soul. I've just got to continue to push through it and they all subside and my spirit starts to become stronger. 
So part of the building up process of your life is also the work of the Spirit exposing things in you that you need to confront and address and repent of. So the work of the Holy Spirit, if you will give yourself to strong praying in tongues, you'll start to become conscious of areas of your life that aren't quite right, that you need to put right, and as you put them right, you become built stronger and built up further. They are hindering you in experiencing the power of God. And I, I don't know anyone who prays in tongues strongly and consistently who doesn't experience, as a consequence of doing that, times of turmoil when things that are hindering God's power in your life begin to show up and you can be aware of them. Any idea? Okay, then. Here's another thing then the tongues does. Quite a few things, aren't there? Then we'll get you all, we'll have a break, then we'll get to do some exercises. Here's another thing it does. In verse 2, it says, He that speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God. No one understands him. He's in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So here, mysteries, speaking mysteries. What on earth does that mean? And why on earth would you want to speak mysteries anyway? Firstly, you have to take Scripture and compare with Scripture. If you search the Bible for the word mysteries, it appears in the New Testament. And it appears in three or four places. Three of those four, I think it is, are where Paul refers to mysteries of the kingdom of God. A mystery is something that you don't yet understand, but it's something that's concealed from you. So Jesus said uh, and talked about speaking in parables, uh, the mysteries of the kingdom are not for other people, they're for you who've got a hunger to hear. So when the Bible is talking about mysteries, it's talking about the kingdom plans and purposes of God. Got the idea? Okay. So now, when, when he's speaking in tongues, he is speaking mysteries. Now, the mystery is only a mystery to us. It's not a mystery to God. God isn't the one who needs to understand. It's only you who needs to understand. So what are the mysteries we're speaking of as we speak in tongue? We are speaking out God's plan, God's design, God's purpose, God's calling for our life. We're speaking out things to do with his kingdom that he wants to establish. Things to do with his kingdom he wants to establish. So when you're praying in tongues, you are praying forth the will of God. You're praying forth the call of God, the destiny of God in your life. So you can use tongues to worship. You can use tongues to build yourself. You can use tongues to speak out from your life God's calling. Now, what happens when you do that? The Holy Spirit, who knows the plans of God, gives voice to them. Now, what about your understanding? What are you going to do with all your understanding? <laughs> That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Now, when you're praying in tongues, the thing about it is your mind is unfruitful. It already, we know that the mind is unfruitful. What does that mean? Your mind is not being used while you're praying in tongues. That doesn't mean you say you can't use your mind. And it doesn't say that you just remain vacant. When you're praying in tongues, your spirit is praying, you can direct your mind and read scriptures and focus on scriptures and the Holy Ghost can illuminate them. Or you can meditate on a scripture or meditate on some aspect of God. Or as you pray, you can hold in your mind where you're directing your prayers. Maybe directing our prayer and worship. So I can begin to meditate on the Lord as I pray in tongues. Or I may be praying to build myself up so I can begin to picture myself being built as I pray in tongues. 
or I may be praying for a certain area of my life or maybe praying for uh, someone's needs or praying for someone's salvation. So I don't know how to pray completely. So I lift the person before the Lord, speaking with my understanding. Father, I lift them before you right now. And as I begin to hold them in my mind and see them, I begin to pray in the Spirit. And I'm watching to see when the Holy Spirit drops ideas and revelation. So that brings us to another uh, aspect of of the uh, purpose of tongues and that is to release a flow of revelation release a flow of revelation into your life tongue speaking activates a flow of revelation why does it do that because the Holy Ghost who knows everything about you now is able to speak to you because your place flowing through you so if you want to flow in the gifts one of the most common and easy way to flow in the gifts of the Spirit is to begin to pray in tongues begin to meditate on God's goodness and then open yourself to receive a word of knowledge, a seed of prophecy, some kind of thought. It comes as you pray in tongues. There's an overflow and it comes up into your mind and you get a picture of some kind of uh, word or thought. So what can happen as you pray in tongues is this is what can happen, is you may have thoughts or ideas come as you pray. You may get insights, insights to the word of God or God may just download to you some whole area of information about your own life. So when you're praying in tongues, often that's when ideas, thoughts, inspirations, insights, or words of knowledge about situations come. How do they come? You're in a flow of speaking out the will of God, and suddenly just a thought will drop into your mind. You take notice of that thought, continue to pray on it, and you begin to start to see things that God is doing. This is how you activate seeing, hearing, flowing in the spirit. It's a very, very simple process. And finally, tongues can trigger off deep intercession. Romans 8, it tells us that we don't know what to pray, nor how to pray as we ought, but the spirit helps us. And then it talks about groanings and utterances or deep intercession from our belly. So not everyone has that experience, but you can have it as an overflow or as a consequence of stirring your spirit, speaking in tongues very deep intercession. So there's a whole number of functions of praying in tongues. Now, no doubt there's others as well, but these are ones which I consider foundational. Activating your spirit man, opening a direct line with the Holy Ghost, energizing your inner man, strengthening your spirit man, building or lifting your spirit man up by imparting to you or by revealing blocks so you can deal with them, calling forth the purpose of God in your life, releasing a flow of revelation, ideas and thoughts, initiating off deep intercession. So the gift of tongues is important. It's interesting that Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And he was the one who got more revelation than anyone. There's a connection between revelation and flowing in the gift of tongues. So let me just finish with just a couple of things. Now, what about receiving the gift of tongues? Some people struggle to speak in tongues. So there's a whole lot of reasons for it, I guess. But it's unreasonable to think that God would release the gift of the Holy Spirit in the church and the gift of tongues to build us up and then not want us to have it. If the gift of tongues is for building us up, it is for activating us in all these different ways, it's not reasonable to think that God would hold back the gift of speaking in tongues from you. And yet here you are and you're not speaking in tongues. It may be, there's always a reason for it, remember. 
And there may be several reasons why people don't speak in tongues. It's not because God's unwilling to give us the gift. It usually something else is the block and is the stop. And if we can just remove some of those blocks, we can then be activated quite quickly. So let me just give you a few reasons why people don't speak in tongues and then what to do about it, and then we'll have a break. And then next session, we'll come back and start to give you a whole range of things to get doing. Okay? <laughs> okay. Then. So uh, I want to just give you a couple of reasons why people... One of, the, one of the most common reasons are spiritual blocks. In other words, if a person has been involved in idolatry, has been involved in the occult in any kind of way, often there are spiritual blocks for them receiving spiritual hindrances to actually God coming. Now, the devil can only hinder, he can't stop. The devil can only hinder, he can't stop. So one of the blocks to receiving is that we may have a cult involvement, idolatry involvement, spirits operating in our life. The moment we renounce those and reject those from our life, we can then receive the impartation that God wants us to have. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason is because of thinking that we have about the Holy Spirit. Now, some people come from a background where the Holy Spirit has been taught against, and often there's a doctrinal block. Maybe the doctrine has been that it's not for today. Maybe the doctrine has been that it's uh, only for certain people. Maybe the doctrine has been that, uh, you know, all, who, there's all kinds of things that people believe. But if you've had teaching that has been contrary to biblical teaching on the Holy Ghost or on the gift of tongues, they can form a block in your mind that stops you actually beginning to pray. Here's another common reason why people get blocked. They think, I have to be good enough. This is not true. God gives the Holy Spirit to help change you. <laughs> so he doesn't want to wait you to get good enough. The Holy Spirit is the means or the power to overcome and change in your life. So God doesn't want you to believe in your heart, I'm not good enough. He already says, I've made you good enough. I'm giving you the gift to help you grow and be a better person. So that's a, that's a thought pattern you need to break in your mind and deal with in your mind. Some people think, I've got to feel something before I speak in tongues. I'll wait. I'll just wait. I don't feel anything. I, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. Now listen, this is not true. Sometimes you may feel something. Most of the time, you decide whether you start to speak in tongues. You make a decision just to speak. You can speak in tongues, speak in English, speak in Mandarin. You can speak. You choose to speak. They spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them the words. So I have to open my mouth and speak. I actually have to yield. Now, for some people, the issue is that there's a lot of control and they're not willing to surrender because they're afraid if I let go, what might happen to me, I've always been in control of my life. Well, the Holy Ghost is a loving person. It's safe to let go to him. It's time to let go control and just allow him to flow and express himself through you. You make the decision. Now, for some people, because of these blocks, the best way that they can break through is to spend time meditating in truth about speaking in tongues, meditate in truth about the gift of God, read and meditate, and then as they worship and begin to think about the goodness of God, as you find language starting to come, begin to just begin to speak. And sometimes it starts as a young language, immature language, and then as you just yield, away it goes. I found for some people, having a shower, they're more relaxed, they pray in tongues. Uh, I find I get a lot of revelation in the shower. I just be praying in tongues in the shower, and I'm quite relaxed. Oh, ideas come. <laughs> I find a pen to write it down. Uh, because we just become relaxed. So for some people, just being in front of other people, they get tense. 
up inside and embarrassed. So a little bit later, we'll get everyone to pray in tongues. We'll just give a chance to pray and activate everyone. And then we'll give you a few exercises to do together. Amen? How many feel encouraged about the gift of tongues? What a great gift. What a great gift God gave you. Oh, how many think I should be using it a lot more already? Uh, okay, why don't we have a break now for about 10 minutes, and then we'll come back and give you a few activations.